Welcome to the Cross Council Podcast, where we believe that negative emotions should not run your life. Join Mary Carlton and Steve Freitag as they share the keys they've learned from over 20 years of helping people find genuine freedom and live a more meaningful life through the truth, love, and healing of Jesus. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Cross Council Podcast. It's me again, your your host with the most, or whatever phrase. One day I'll find something that'll work, but... I'm joined by just Steve again. How are you, Steve? Oh, I'm so lonely without Mary here. For real, for real. What do we do without adult supervision, man? Like I know. <laughs> Mary is off to the uh to the Holy Land. She should be coming back pretty quick here. Um cool trip. Sounds like it was a lot of fun. So Can't yeah. wait to hear. Yeah, exactly. I'm man, such a wild <laughs> place, man. Right. But, you know, like just something about going to the places that like Christ actually walked and being like, oh, man, like this isn't just words on a Bible anymore. This is like this is the actual streets like that blows my mind, you know, not that I didn't believe before or anything, but you, you right. know what I'm saying. But to walk where Jesus walked, that yes. would just be so incredible, man, man. Well, anyway. I don't know what's new with you, but yesterday I had a really interesting moment on my block um, or on the, where I live because I have um, my car has been out of commission for a while and I was borrowing an old van from my parents to get around town. And yesterday uh, or well, two days ago, I was driving back home and I noticed the brakes were real like not doing their job, not really breaking that well. And so I thought it's probably fine. And as I was getting closer to my home, I was like, yeah, I should probably bring it to my parents' home. So I call up my dad and I tell him like, hey, I'll bring it by tomorrow. And uh, well, tomorrow comes and I I get in the van, I start it up and I start backing out of my driveway like I normally do. And I try to hit the brakes and there are none. (laughs) So I quick, oh my gosh, and I wheel it over. And I get off the brakes and I'm trying as hard as I can to like put down the brakes. The the lines are like something popped. So for a while, I'm trying to figure out what to do as I slowly roll backwards down my street. And a couple of neighbors saw me and they just see this dude thinking in the front while in the driver's seat as his van slowly goes backwards down their road. And they kind of gave a look of like, huh? (laughs) Eventually, I put it into neutral and let it slow down and then anchored it there in park. But I was like, oh, okay, cool. Glad this isn't a busy street or anything. (laughs) Goodness. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone has a car they want to donate, let me know. Uh, We'll we'll get you in contact with me. Blessings. Please have the brakes work on it. (laughs) But I've never uh, had that happen, but I remember going to um, uh, Chili's to work a shift at Chili's. This has to be like 1990 or so. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> and and I had this, I don't know, uh, 1987, <clears throat> whatever, Honda Accord at that point. Not yeah. sure. And, um, and I'm pulling into West Town Mall and I'm literally 150 yards from, from getting to Chili's. Yeah. And, and I just feel this weird thing in my car. Oh, this isn't driving right now. And uh, I, I stopped and like a CV joint collapsed <laughs> and I was only going like five miles an hour. And my, my tire just 
dropped. Like it just, it just oh my it just gosh. broke. The tire <laughs> broke, and it was just at this weird angle. And you know that's bad enough. But I, well, I I thought you know what I was just going fifty miles an hour down the street. If it would have happened then, I have no idea what would have happened. For sure, yeah. So it was like Absolutely. this that weird. Oh crud! Oh thank you, Lord. Like if it, it was gonna go. Oh yeah, that's the time for it to go. I totally felt that after I realized the brakes were gone. I had just enough juice in them to like get out from downtown and drive home. So I was like, thank God they didn't give out back then. Right. <laughs> Man, cars, what are you going to do? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So go, glad yeah. to be here. And, yeah. Good. <laughs> going back even further. Yeah. This is, I remember, um, I just, I just remember my dad, my dad didn't really know Jesus back in my in my early days and mm-hmm. we would do you remember the prayer i don't know if you guys ever prayed it um now i lay me down to sleep i pray the lord my soul to keep yeah yeah Have you yeah, ever heard yeah. that prayer yeah yeah and the mm-hmm. next the next line is if i should die before yeah, i wake a, yeah <laughs> what <laughs> why was i taught this <laughs> right if i should die what a great thought to put in a child's mind yeah yeah i'm seven i'm my, yes. i think my career path is to be a dinosaur <laughs> or something like i don't need to be thinking about mortality right now <laughs> right <laughs> right so if i should die before i wake i pray the lord my soul to take like what because a six-year-old do you know what your soul is I, i'm like okay. yeah do i have any concept of that right I'm- right <laughs> It's funny. I looked it up before we started recording. It's it's like from the 1700s. And I thought that sounds well, right. Well, you know, that's probably right. Exactly. Yeah. Hopefully yeah waking yeah. up. There were, there were less assumptions made to uh, your next day back then. For real. Like Stephen ate some bad eggs and died of a cold <laughs> or something. Like, yeah. It was rough back then. So that prayer makes sense for then. <laughs> so I don't know why that I don't know why that prayer came up. Uh, it was just after somebody had a session and we were just kind of chit-chatting. And then I said, well, have you heard this one? Um, my dad used to, my dad got a bigger kick out of this. It was, now I lay me down to sleep, a bag of peanuts at my feet. If I should die before I wake, you know, I died of a bellyache. Hey. <laughs> like, oh, man. I, I hope we taught our kids to pray better than that. But Yeah, for sure. For sure. You can always tell who grew up in that real, like, real conservative family if they drop one of those. <laughs> right. There Actually, there's a scene in MASH that I think back, and the last line is, uh, instead of, um, you know, I died of a bellyache, it was with the peanuts, give, give them to my brother, Jake. Okay, well, that's a little <laughs> bit different ending to it, but. Yeah, sure, sure. Still. Sure. I don't know how this all fits into the cross council podcast. No, it really like yeah. <laughs> we would not have gotten this far if Mary was on. Exactly. Exactly. Mary, come back soon. Uh, we definitely need you to help us stay focused. Right. Um, that being said, we can jump into it. We're going to be yeah. looking at uh, another testimony today. Looking at Nate's testimony, talking about parenting. So, you know. We'll we'll see how well this goes. I mostly I don't have any kids of my own, but I certainly helped my parents learn lessons as a how to be a parent because I was kind of a handful. So. Yeah, I'm improving their skills, right? Well, exactly, first, exactly. Yeah, I think what we should do is split this up the first minute and a half. I think we'll talk about that, which isn't about parenting; it's more about his a quick um, 
some quick thoughts on his experience at cross count. So then he goes into parenting in the second half, but let's just do the first minute and a half, John. Perfect. Yeah. We'll do it. Okay. Up. Um, I think the, the thing that I like most about this ministry um, is I've been trained in counseling people and, and I've seen people get counseled for years and years and not really make much progress. Um, and, and I've experienced it to the point where I've come in and said something that I've been dealing with, uh, for gosh, 20, 20, 30 years. Um, and Jesus meets me there and there's suddenly a freedom there that I didn't have before. Um, and so my wife being my wife, she wants to know, does it stick? Uh, and, and what does that look like? And the best way that I could describe it was, it's kind of like when I took you to the Grand Canyon, I told you it's a really big hole. And you're like, uh-huh, yeah. And, and so you didn't, you're like, why are we going to this place that has a really big hole? And then we got to the edge of it and you're like, oh, Nate, it's a really big hole because you experienced that. And it was something that, that meant something to you in a deep level that just me describing it, um, didn't reach. And so it's the same way when you go back and you relive these, these traumatic experiences, um, the God of the universe meets you there. And he says something to you that you've been saying to yourself all your life. Um, but it means something because he said it. That changes everything. Um, so Grand Canyon, Jesus speaking it, it's good. We've heard, we hear that over and over again, that, that people see the difference between just getting information, right? We're trained in these things. We, we have mm-hmm. biblical things that we uh, should know as far as like being instructed and, and, and having that, that good theology, that good doctrine, that good information, mm-hmm. you know, scripture is so important in, in Christ's followers life and have that understanding. It's, it's really key, but if it's just information, it doesn't necessarily make this life changing thing in somebody's life. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love what he said about the grand Canyon. I've never been there, but maybe that's, Maybe that's after my Israel trip, if I were to, were to take that. But there you go. I, if, if, I, if, I, if I think that some of the stories in Scripture that I think we hear so often that we, we sometimes lose sight of, like the impact, I think of what's known as the parable of the prodigal son, which is really a terrible name. It's more <laughs> you think so? About the, yeah, because both, both sons are knuckleheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boys. <laughs> it's more about the good it's more about the good father and his two knucklehead sons. <laughs> the parable of the overly patient dad. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> right? It just it's just so beautiful, right? It, in Luke 15 and and it's probably been overplayed too, but just <clears throat> when the the prodigal, the wasteful son, that's what that means. When he leaves, he's mm-hmm. like, "I want my inheritance," which is him saying I would rather have you dead. I wish you dead. Give me the inheritance you have for me now. And I'm going to think of you as dead. It's it's horrible what he says, right? Mm-hmm. And then everybody knows the story. He goes and messes stuff up and he comes back and then the father sees him. And the idea there is that the father is looking for him actively. Mm-hmm. And when he sees him, it's not just that he ran. It's not just that he pulled up his robes and, and it's embar- it would be embarrassing for an older man to run in that culture. Yeah, it's like unbecoming of a like a richer, older man to to run anywhere, right? To to run, period. But the idea yeah. really is like 
in a race. Like he's booking it as best mm-hmm. as he can. That's yeah. the image that Jesus wants to portray is that it, it wasn't a leisurely run, mm-hmm. which is probably as good as I can do now these days. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that. Like a leisurely run. No, I'm just, I'm giving a hundred percent, but that just looks leisurely <laughs> compared to what it look, used to look like. Right. <laughs> How do you run in slow motion like that, John? What? <laughs> <laughs> Is my heart beats out of my chest. Yeah. <laughs> right. I can't see colors. <laughs> but I, uh, the more you, you dig into the the images that Jesus is want, wanting to convey to us, mm-hmm. it's when when he embraces him, he kisses him. The idea is that like he just like almost tackles him, and and, and the translation is like he fell on his son's neck. Really? Yep. He fell on his neck. And there's a Greek word that I can't pronounce. It's probably kataphileo, which phileo is part of love, right? But it's mm-hmm. kataphileo means to kiss much, kiss tenderly, kiss again and again. Did your parents mm-hmm. ever kiss you so much it annoyed you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's enough Italian in my bloodline where I'm like, ah, get off me. All right. It's fine, mom. <laughs> exactly. Right. But he just profusely kisses him that's the image and just i love that idea like this big tackle bear hug yeah falling on his neck mm-hmm. and and there's another greek word and i'm not great at pronouncing all these epipipo epipipto it's e-p-i-p-i-p-t-o <laughs> m-i-s-s-i-s-s-i-p-p-i kind of thing yeah yeah but that means so so it's not just falling on the neck with the cataphileo, but it's this to rush upon, to press into. It's this experience. That's what I'm trying to get at. Sure. Yeah, yeah. That that's where we're going. It's like it's not just this um <laughs> idea, it's the reality mm-hmm. of that's how much God loves us and that we are sons and daughters. Like if we were to live in that, what would that truly changing us what if the gospel was god loves you like this father loves this rebellious son there's nothing from the father's perspective there's nothing that his son could do that would take away his sonship mm-hmm. and, it, and i think part of the part of the gospel is like the idea that jesus transfers his righteousness to us and the holy spirit is given to us as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and there's a perfection in that spirit, that spirit that lives within us. Now, our soul is still a wreck. That's why we do the ministry. Yeah. But what if foundationally we had that deep understanding, connection with the righteousness of Christ has been given to us, this inheritance, this beauty? Mm-hmm. Right? You look at the Grand Canyon, yeah. and that, that pales in comparison to the reality of what happens when we trust Jesus with our life. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. Oh, absolutely. Man, the Bible goes to such lengths, and I think that it's lost on us sometimes just because of the translations and such. You know, we don't fully understand how it's written. Like you were saying, like these Greek words, they go to such levels to try to uh, communicate, not just like intellectually, like the factual what is happening, but like the experience of it, you know, the experience of... Yeah, yeah, the the experience of going back to Nate's testimony. Wow, Nate, that is a really big hole, you know, or even connecting it back to when I was talking about Israel, like, you know, yeah, reading words on a page versus like, wow, I'm actually walking the streets that Christ walked, you know, like mm-hmm. 
the experience of salvation and sanctification in Christ is so important that we we do ourselves an absolute disservice by just turning it into a strictly intellectual sort of thing. And that's not how God intended it. And that's not how this works, you know? This, this just came to my mind. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm thinking out loud, but let's just say you're at a table and somebody brings this this amazing meal and people mm-hmm. start eating it and are like, this is so great. This is so great. And they, they're enjoying it. Somebody who hasn't tasted it yet says, hey, can I have the recipe? And just, that's all I need is a recipe. Sure. <laughs> Don't you want to dig into this thing? Yeah. I mean, here, you can have experience it. it. Yeah. The, yeah. You can have the recipe, but wouldn't you rather just chow right now? Exactly. The recipe is great. The recipe is important, but it's not a one or the other thing. Like you right, can, right. Yeah, exactly. But we, I think sometimes in the church, we spend so much time on the recipe that we don't feast on what God has given us. Mm-hmm. We don't mm-hmm. feast on the reality of who we are in Jesus. Right. Exactly. Man, well said. Well said. Shall we uh, continue with Nate's story? Let's go, Nate. Come on, pick it up, Nate. Let's see it, buddy. No, I was uh, really grateful that uh, my pastors told me about this ministry and and recommended that I come. And um, one of the things that I enjoy, enjoy, one of the things that that has been the most helpful about this ministry uh, is how I deal with my kids. I have four psychotic rugrats. Um, three of them are boys and a baby girl. And, and there are things that they will say that will trigger me in ways that I don't know why I'm reacting to them in that way. And it's because they've hit on a note of something that hurts me from my past. And they don't know it. I don't know it, but I respond in a certain way. And when Jesus comes and frees you of something that you've been dealing with for years, um, that just isn't there anymore. That, that pain doesn't control you. It doesn't drive the way that you react to your children. And so that allows you to be pleasantly surprised when they hit that nerve again and you don't respond. And instead you respond with laughter or love or just enjoying being around them. Um, there is a freedom that comes with this healing that you just have to experience it to, to understand the depth of it. Another thing is, is sometimes parents will come in and, and they just want their children to be fixed. Um, and if you can be brave and you can step forward and kind of poke and prod some of the things that, that are hurting you, um, that's such an amazing example. And it also, it gives freedom for future generations because your kids watch what you do and, and they're also affected by who you are. So when you become free, that trickles down to them and it will trickle to their children and their children. Uh, so if you have the courage to, to come and, and poke in some areas that, that hurt you, it will bring freedom not just for you but for your children and will help heal your children in a way you didn't think was possible. Right on. Well, I'm no dad, so what are your initial thoughts, Steve? Well, one of my thoughts is, oh, John, here, I'm giving you an assignment right on the podcast. We have this <laughs> frequently asked questions thing on our website. And I'm thinking, wow, we should link that because we have a question up there. Like, what about parent? What about teens or working with children and teens? Just what Nate said. It's very reflective of what Mary said on a podcast several months ago, too, that I thought we should we should put up there, too. But, yeah, I think what he says, it's just he's so right on the mark. Like the mm-hmm. best thing you can do for your kids is to get free. 
And, uh, and when you get free of some of those triggers and some of those things that we don't even know they're triggers or we justify them, well, that's just the way I am, or that's, well, I'm, I'm acting this way. I'm responding this way because of the way my kids are acting. Well, yes. And also there's this, it's a both end. And the more you get rid of some of those sensitive places, overly sensitive places mm-hmm. where your kids are pushing, pushing your buttons because kids, they figure out how to, how to push buttons. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. I think even as, even as toddlers, <laughs> they're, they're, they're testing whether they, you know, have, have this great conscious thought of what they're really doing. <laughs> Maybe I'm not sure. I don't remember being too very much, but I think they're constantly testing. If I do this, let's see if I drop, you know, if I drop this uh, spoon one more time, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, look, I can make adults. You just be at my bidding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely depends on the parents for sure, too. Right. right. Oh, let me get this for you. Let me get this for you. Let me do this. Let me do this. Right. And it's all kind until you figure out, oh, I've been manipulated. Yeah. So the idea of parenting with freedom, oh, goodness. But mm-hmm. I, you know, even it doesn't have to be reduced just to parenting. I would be interested in maybe this isn't the time or place, but just even in this relationship that you're in, I would just wonder if you've noticed you, if you have less triggers, if you have more freedom in this relationship, you don't have to share deep, dark secrets, but. You more freedom from like you? my own issues like yeah i think being able to be more yourself or i think there is some aspect of that and i think just being in the relationship that i'm in right now a lot of um i feel like there's like a responsibility on me to uh get myself sorted out so that she doesn't have mm-hmm. to deal with things you know mm-hmm. like Uh, So I guess there is a trickle down in that where it's like, okay, I know in the past I have been this way about these things. That's not going to work. This isn't how, uh, this isn't something I would want someone else to bring into a relationship. Therefore, it's not something I'm going to bring into this relationship. Cause like I'm kind of known as like in my friend groups as like kind of the really snarky dude that likes to push buttons. I don't want to do that with her. I like, I don't, that's not conducive to a long lasting relationship. I'll still poke fun at her and she pokes fun at me, but I won't go like overboard. I I'm very conscious about like, okay, where's the line here? Uh, would I feel respected? Would I feel loved, et cetera? Like, um, if I was doing this or if she was doing this to me and yeah, it's given me a, a sense of, not urgency, like panic or anything, but like a, a real sense of focus of like, okay, how am I changing myself to be better for this? Mm-hmm. So hope that answers that. Yeah. When, what do you mean by changing yourself? Well, I mean like dealing with issues, like dealing with the parts of my mind, like past trauma stuff that mm-hmm. I don't want to bring into this relationship. Like she doesn't need me to ever like, have like an emotional response to something she doesn't know she's doing that sort of thing. You know, it's like, it's like Nate said, you know, like sometimes his kids touch on like an emotional trigger, uh, you know, like any relationship with another human being that's going to happen, whether it's purposeful or not. So I'm, you know, like if I see that coming or if that happens, I, well, she doesn't mean to do anything like that to me, you know, I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And I think sometimes we uh, we come into relationships <clears throat> on some level hoping that that person will solve my pain. They'll fix me as long as I'm with them and do that. And that's just mm-hmm. – that's a terrible position to put somebody in or it's a terrible position to be in. Mm-hmm. And the more that we 
you know, we, when, when we talk about working on ourselves, it's just being open to how the Lord is um, revealing those things inside of us that are totally. not in alignment with him. Absolutely. Right. That's what we mean. Not, not just the try harder self-help stuff, but it's leaning into no, Jesus no, no. going, okay, I noticed that when that happened, wow, my reaction was less than what Jesus's would be. And so there must exactly. be something inside of me that he wants to uh, realign. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And like, I, I should have made this clear earlier, but like Christ is absolutely like in, in that process. I'll pray about something afterwards. Like, Hey, I just felt in my head, me reacting this way. And I know that that's not going to be good for this whole thing. Can you change that in me? This has been the cross council podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, share with your friends and look for us on social media. The world will become a much better place and Jesus will be seen in a much better light the more we are transformed by his truth and love. We'll see you next time, everybody.